back to the Hammering Away podcast. This is episode number 29. And it should be like the first time in like five episodes we have something good to talk about. But thankfully, we missed a few weeks. So we got to sum up the entire bad part of the season in one episode last week. And now we can just go back to being like one of the best teams in the league. Statistically, when uh, Emerson and Paquette play. Yeah, I think we handled that like pretty appropriately just like pretend it didn't happen because it basically (laughs) didn't you know yeah yeah it never happened like at this point i I, i'm just gonna pretend that we got like a point seduction or something literally i mean the sheffield united game was basically a point seduction that's how it felt calvin Mm -hmm. phillips point seduction yeah (laughs) pep is nerfing us He's cheating, dude. Has he ever sold a player who hasn't eventually become hated by the fans of the team that he got sold to? Even Jesus and Zinchenko, who were like the next coming of Christ when they first went to Arsenal. Now there's like huge like sex of that fan base that cannot stand those two. They call them double agents. Yeah. Like when they went over, it was like, oh, Pep was like giving his old buddy a gift to like get his project off the ground. Yeah. But he, he also gave him a gift that wouldn't ever get him to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Who else have City even sold in the Premier League? Raheem. In the last five years. Raheem, double agent. Uh, in the he Premier League? He still gets League? his, though. He still gets his. My they don't usually sell in the Premier League. They sold Ferran Torres to Barcelona. Just horrid player. Horrid. Mm-hmm. Gundogan. Gundogan He's... to Barcelona. He's just like 35. They wanted to keep him. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anybody else who's really left. Did they ever sold any defenders in the Premier League? You know, they, they sold um, um, Zach Steffen to Middlesbrough. Right. Uh, they sent Jao Cancelo to Bayern. All right, fuck them. I don't care about them. Um, they are. They do want to sign Piquette, though. And just for anybody who didn't see our tweet, um, that went up earlier today as we're recording this. Uh, I'll just read it out because the, this is just in terms of any West Ham stat I've seen throughout my time, like rooting for this team. I've never seen stats like this, especially at such a big sample size. So, whenever Emerson and Piquetta start for us, we have a record of fourteen wins, four draws. And three losses in 21 games. The three losses are at Anfield in September, who I think they've lost once at home in like 80 tries in the Premier League or something like that. Um, They lost at Villa, who won 15 straight home games, which is, I think, it's the longest run in their history. I think it was the longest run in the Premier League for God knows how long. And at home to City, who almost seem like they like playing at our place better than theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a win rate of 74%. We haven't lost. When Emerson and Piquet to start, we have not lost since October 22nd. Which, if you remember the amount of games that we played in December and November, is obscene. We're picking up 2.4 points per game. Scoring two goals a game. And conceding just over a goal a game, right? And that's from 15 Premier League games and cup ties against Arsenal 
Olympiacos, Freiburg, and Bristol City. And the Bristol City game wasn't even a win. I feel like you can even scratch that Bristol City. He was out there for 10 minutes. He was out there for 10 minutes. So they've won 14 times in 20 games and lost just three. <laughs> like, I cannot even begin to wrap my head around those stats. I, I, I genuinely, I don't even know what to say. It's like the the impact that those that Paqueta has on not only Emerson but the entire team is just I've never seen anything like it in like sports. Like he just elevates everyone. It's it's unreal. And like Emerson was like still good while he was out. Yeah. But yeah. he just hits like such a new level with Paqueta. It's like he becomes one of the best left backs in the league. It's crazy. So there, there's a few things I want to say about that. So, A, on the Paqueta point, because um, I think it's important to acknowledge that. So Paqueta's been out since January 5th, right? After Sheffield United away, when Fornell started on January 22nd, we didn't even have another left-wing option. Um and I don't even think for uh, Cornet played on the left that day. Either way, there's no left wing options. So when Paquetta's out, not only do we lose our best player and like our tempo controller, um, we lose the balance of our team because we just have nobody who can play on the left side. So either somebody has to go out there and play a position they're uncomfortable in, which is either Kudus going away from where he's best, or it's Ben Johnson playing further up the pitch, or it's James Ward Prowse, or Whatever it is, it completely throws off the balance of our team. So that's A. Um, B, if I can remember it. Jesus. B is that he is such a direct complement to Bowen and Kudus. Because how Bowen and Kudus play, they want to be on front foot. They want to be high up the pitch. They want to be as high up the pitch as possible. They want to be in and around the goal, creating goals constantly, usually scoring them. So having a player like Paquette on the left, who's essentially a midfielder, helps kind of offset just how high up the pitch those two like to play. Mm-hmm. And it complements them and helps them get the best out of their games because they don't have to have responsibilities deeper in the buildup when they just want to be up high scoring goals. So it helps them in that sense. And then, yeah, it also comes down to him just being, you know, a as good of a midfielder as he is, but those three midfielders were Prowse, Suchek, and Alvarez. Like the platform that he has to just do whatever the hell he wants, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you look at Bowen's performance; it's really night and day. He's been pretty mediocre for about a month now, and all of a yeah, sudden, the ankle was bothering him. I'm sure it was the ankle, but at the same time. He Paquetta comes back and immediately picks up right where he left off yeah. in December. I thought he, I thought there was a little rust. To be fair, I thought mm-hmm. there was, especially in the first half. I thought that like he didn't stamp his authority on the game as much. I didn't think it was actually in how he was playing. It was almost like okay, like I'm back out here now. Like let me reacclimate to my surroundings. Whereas when he was playing all, every three days, it was like you know. It was second nature. He was out there and he was picking up the ball, and you could never avoid him. And I, I think that, like, 
part of why he, even though he was still trying to like, you know, settle in, um, he was still so impactful despite that. And it's just for the fact that we had someone playing his role. And just the boost that it gives the team and, you know, the confidence it gives guys to play. I mean, Ward Prowse is somebody we've talked a lot about in recent weeks, not being at his best. Um, People were getting on him in the Brentford game. I I thought he was really good because I think people can just be slow to stuff, man. Like, he's limited in plenty of ways. But when he plays with Emerson and Paqueta, he feels that confidence to be a part of it. He gets involved with them too. He leads our press so, so well. Leads it so, so well. Yep. Really could not ask for a player with a better motor doing that position. Um, you know, when Paqueta is gone one day, is this 4-3-3 something that we can stick with? You know, maybe not. Even if Paqueta stays, like, okay, Suchet, love him, but like maybe you want to find a more athletic dual winner mm-hmm. to complement Alvarez and Ward Prowse in that midfield just because of how important athleticism is in the Premier League, but you know, that's nitpicking at this point. And I think the three months that we have left and hopefully going into June, we need to just enjoy how good, not only the front three are, but just how good that 11 as a whole works together, especially with Mavropanos in there now. Yeah. Like we're going to be like, this isn't going to last forever. You know, these like, one of these three guys it never does. Post, it's most likely going to be does. most likely going to be Paqueta. And we're going to be years from now thinking back at how good these three are. It's, you know, and even with Kudus, it's just, man, like to have, I mean, Jared Bowen is 14 Premier League goals in February and he didn't score for eight games. Like, do you know how fucking crazy that is? <laughs> <laughs> to go on an eight game scoreless run. And still have 14 goals before the start of March. That's crazy. And he's not even the one that we're worried about getting poached. He's the one who's under contract for seven years and mm-hmm. like is probably going to be our captain one day. Yeah. Like on par with Holland in terms of non-penalty goals. It's ridiculous. Above Salah in terms of non-penalty mm-hmm. goals. And Paqueta will probably go this summer. You know, you pray to God that Kudus doesn't go too because um, that's a nightmare. But mm-hmm. if you can hold on to Kudus for two years, and that's the thing, is like if you can keep it to one big sale summer, you can manage that. And, you know, Paqueta leaving is going to be scary because of how much he does and how, you know, much harder it is to replace players higher up the field and further down the field in terms of recreating their impact because the things that Paqueta does, while Rice is amazing and, you know, probably a better player, yeah, he's a better player. But the things that Paqueta does are much more. I don't want to say difficult to do on a football pitch, but they're rare. Like, because mm-hmm. the skill set is much rarer than Declan Rice's. I don't know. I mean, and Declan I, Rice is one I of don't the know guys. if I agree with that. Like, there's truly no one that can replicate Declan Rice the way that, you know. I shouldn't say skill set as a whole, but like individual skills are rare. Like, like Paquette's eye for a pass and ability to create the way that he does and control the ball in tight spaces the way that he does and control tempo and, you know, manipulate space and defenders. And, you know, that little, you touch, I touch thing he does, where he passes mm-hmm. it and he, you know, he shoulder fakes and he, you know, he faints and then he kind of comes back and he just keeps picking up the ball and creating that space for himself. That kind of stuff I think is harder to recreate than 
ball carrying and you know ball winning. Yeah, I, I guess not, this is this is not to discredit Declan Rice in the slightest. Like he is, in my opinion, the best defensive midfield player in the world. Um, and like you said, his skill set is you know pretty hard to recreate. But just in terms of replacing specific skills, I think it's going to be difficult. But I, I think that we can we recreated ourselves after Deck left this four three three type thing with Ward Prowse mm-hmm. like leading the press almost as a ten sometimes. And we'll recreate ourselves again after Paquette goes. You know, I mean, you got to hit on a striker, though. You have to hit on the striker mm-hmm. that you sign when he goes. Yeah, I guess to the earlier point about Rice, it's like, I yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, Rice, like, Paquette has, like, more, like, his skill set is more rare, like, the skills that he has. But, like, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, putting it all together, like, Rice, like, made, yeah. like, you know, people tackle like Rice, people pass like Rice. But like, and people carry the ball like Rice. But to put it all together like that in one player is like obviously unprecedented. It's a joke, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's why then you sign Alvarez to sit in front, you know, of the back mm-hmm. four, and then Suchek takes on more responsibility and dual winning, and you know, Ward Prowse's engine and leadership, and then you have Kudus's ball carrying, and then you wanted to sign McGuire for the diagonals and the long passing that Rice had. You ended up getting Phillips later, which, you know, jury is still out how that will end up. Um, <laughs> I'm rooting for him. I am my jury for him. is not out. I know that your jury is not out. But that that's my point, is that you can find players with those skills. It's a little bit more difficult to recreate actual chance creation. But then again, I mean... There are left wingers out there, you know, if you get the right striker. And, you know, I mean, I don't know how serious the Solanke stuff is, but imagine that. He'd be perfect. He'd be like, perfect. he really would be perfect. Because he can run those channels and he can help. He he gets involved. You mm-hmm. know, like, he can help create for others. Like, he's not Ali Watkins in terms of creating for others. But he can, you know, he's not just going to stand in the box. He's not hilarious. No, he's like a true like guy who's gonna want to chase down like nothing, like you know, chase down play. the, the dirty play. balls and yeah, make something out of it, like like Antonio does. Yeah, with a little bit more polish. I, I think he would be amazing. That's a conversation for another day. Getting back to this starting eleven, and I texted you this before, and I think I want to say it on here. Is that so? Especially when when Mo Kudus has played, just to make sure everybody knows this, when Paqueta, Emerson, and Kudus have started for West Ham, we've never lost a game. I think we've won ten, drawn one, something, something just ridiculous like that. Even acting like Kudus wasn't the plan or the exact plan um, coming into the season, right? Just because you know he. Became a more realistic option later in the window when we thought Paquetta might be getting suspended forever. But going away from that, this three-man midfield, I think everybody can admit, just because, I mean, the first time they were all available, they all started together. Even after we won at Luton without Suchek, uh, Suchek came back in. I think it's easy to acknowledge that it was Moy's plan to replace Rice by playing a three-man midfield with two new guys, with Suchek you know and mm-hmm. you can say like okay I wish maybe one of the two new guys was more athletic whatever I, you wish Suchek was more athletic that that might just be a me thing because I think 
athleticism as we move further and further into the modern game. I think athleticism is arguably the most important trait for a midfielder to have. Um, Absolutely. Obviously along with like being able to play midfield on the ball. Um, But I think it's clear that the plan was to go with the three midfielders and then play Paqueta as one of the three, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, and then by playing Paqueta as one of the three, especially as the left winger, which he even did against Brighton um, before we got Kudus, by playing Paqueta as the left winger, he's basically able to create a fourth midfielder whenever he wants, and he's able to allow Emerson to do what he does best and give us all the width higher up the pitch. And since Paqueta is another midfielder and has a high work rate, he's able to cover for him, right? And that whole dynamic on the left side is essentially what the whole system is built off of. The entire mm-hmm. system is built off of getting the best out of Paqueta and Emerson and um, hiding a midfield's lack of athleticism to get the best out of their games because they all have things that they're all general, genuinely very, very good at. But, I mean, you would agree that that's what the system's built upon, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when we've been able to play that system, specifically with those five that I mentioned, that Moyes planned on, going with this season we've won 75 percent of our games and And people want to fucking sack this guy his system is yet to lose it's like when he's got his personnel out there we haven't lost yet so and you know we we could do things better he could have done things better over the last two months and you know we could have signed somebody in january which again i think is more down the style 10 than anybody else but you know moise has to take blame too He's not perfect, and the squad needs more. But I, these are numbers that you cannot argue with. He's done an incredible job, and it's it's so taken for granted that this is the year after Bryce. And that, that does not ever get mentioned. Never, never gets, gets mentioned. mentioned. Basically, essentially after like the first international break and everybody was kind of done calling Ward Prowse better than Rice – we don't talk about it anymore. We know, but but we do not talk about it anymore because genuinely, because we don't have to. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to because of what Moyes has been able to establish here. Because this isn't only stability, which is, you know, the idea when Moyes was brought back on the second time was obviously let's get stability. And I think even the idea after Rice going with like, how much we underperformed in the league, and then we won the trophy. It's like, okay, like we'll keep Moyes on for stability, right? Mm-hmm. This is not stability. This is this is a team where if they if we didn't lose Paqueta for two months, Lord knows how high up the table we're challenging right now. We'd be talking. We'd be talking about the Champions League for sure. We would be because we are eight points behind Tottenham in fifth place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're eight points behind Tottenham in fifth place. That's not to say that we would have won eight points, but Bournemouth at home, Sheffield United away, those two results can't turn from two points into six points. We can't get something from the United game. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. And it's not like I'm not trying to get too into the hypotheticals here. I mean, but, if you just if you just go look look at the the average points that we were getting with with Paquette on the field, one point nine. If you add those one point nine to the the seven games that he missed, 
Yeah. That would put us at 49 points, which would be two points above Tottenham <laughs> and three points behind Villa and fourth. Which is just ridiculous to even think about. Um, which is, again, it's not to say that, you know, other guys can't be accountable and that we, because, you know, the reason that we're as low down the table as we are is because it's a full team game, not an 11 game. And the squad depth isn't good. That's been known as the weakness of this team for a long time before we sold for Niles and Ben Rama. Now you sell them and you don't replace them. Now, okay. Well, now Lucas Piquetta has to play 12, 14, hopefully 16, hopefully 18, hopefully 19 games between now and the end of May and June. Yeah. He's uh... generally a pretty fit player. He seems to have this one little weird thing every year. I mean, if you think about his two injuries at West Ham, they've both been like super like weird thing. It's like maybe he just doesn't like the cold. I don't really know what it is. Um, but yeah, the the shoulder thing last year, and then this calf thing this year. But you know, after the shoulder thing last year, he didn't slow down, and he did. He played every game down the stretch of last season too. He didn't sit. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna have to do it again. Bowen's gonna have to do it. Kudu's gonna have to do it. The midfield, there's four of them. They're gonna have to be able. The Phillips is gonna have to be able to play a part. <laughs> and then, you know, then you just gotta hope that you gotta hope and pray that these center backs don't cost you, and that one of the two clowns finds some kind of form. Well, Mavropanos was great. I he's not one of on the, the two clowns. Yeah, I, I know. So it's really just gotta. Be one of them that has to find something. And, one of them has and, to find something. You know, Zuma was passable. Did like, right. he was all right. Like, he didn't wow me. But, you know, no mistakes were made. That's... Yeah, that, that that's arguable, though. I mean, we should talk about him because, look, people were killing him yesterday. I thought he was okay. You know, I didn't really think he did well. I don't think he helped out Mavropanos a lot. I don't think he really did anything of that positive of an impact. But again, he wasn't an absolute disaster. The first goal is partially on him. It's not a good clearance. And he's kind of in no man's land when they're coming back. But in my opinion, and this is harsh, and this is honestly, I'll say it now. I gave Suchek, I think, a 7, which is one of the lower ratings on the team on our Mm -hmm. Twitter account. I think I was pretty harsh on him because just in hindsight, I thought he had a really good game. The, the passing was really slick for him, and he yep. played it quick. He didn't give it away. He played it quick, and he played it meaningfully, which is, you know, it, the passes don't have to break the world. They just have to be quick enough to allow us to play quick because it's we're at our best when we go fast. Yep. Um, and he won the, won the ball back a ton, and he he's huge for us in that sense in terms of duels. But I think I think for the first goal he's so so lazy. I think it's so lazy. I think it's so, and honestly I think it's why because I, I was just so peeved at him for that. And then the chance he missed, and it's like ugh. Mm. Um, no, but other than that, he played the, a great it, game. It, it's just so lazy from him. And I I think, and part of it is the lack of athleticism. But he's also he's jogging and he can see him. He's he can see him like he's just mm-hmm. he's got to be better. And he does that too often. He's great when it's combative and dual, but he needs to fill space better. And it's weird because I know that he like he can do it. 
it is it is kind of really it's it is really interesting to think about how like poor we've been like in those situations generally like like defending in transition considering how good we are attacking in transition well like our our defense is good but we're good when we're set you know like i think that there's a a pretty um easy explanation not having athletes in the midfield not having somebody specific yeah Yeah. that's like the one is an uber athletic midfielder Mm -hmm. but this is this is where we miss him yeah but it's not even like like it's not even like Suchek being a better athlete would have helped him in that situation you know like if it was like just him not being switched on yes yes i agree but like Amadou Onana's jog might be a little faster than Thomas Suchek's jog. But I also feel like he doesn't have those moments where he's not... Switched on? Yeah. Suchek has had a few of them over the past two years. I don't know. I, I like. I think he was really good. I'm not going to get on his case. That, that just really annoyed me that he was I, just I, not aware for that goal. Yeah, um, I mean, and then so much a lot more blame than he should have because I think that that's the midfielder's job. Like he has to cut that out. Mm-hmm. And and he's not the only culprit. He's not the only one who does that. I'm now just speaking generally. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a so it's, a, it's a, just a weird thing. I don't know. Well, I think it's also like when you're in transition, you're not. It's like kind of tactics go out the window. The same way tactics really go out the window after a certain point in any game, but. Like, you don't know where, like, whereas if you're set and you're a midfielder, you're like, okay, like, this player, and like, we, we've watched this film, like, we've scouted this, I know where this guy is supposed to be, I know where he's supposed to be, whereas if you're in transition, anybody could be running behind you at any moment. I think, I really do think it's it's the athletes thing, though, because yeah. that's, we've been getting killed there all year, Fulham absolutely annihilated us that way, it's Honestly, what's led to a lot of our just drubbings comes from the fact that we lack athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's probably the biggest hole in our squad, especially with Zuma just, you know, athletically falling off a cliff after over the last 18 months. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was harsh on him for the goal. He's definitely at fault. Like, it's not only on Sutrek, like, it's on Zuma too. But like when he's trying to create that ball, his momentum is always going to take him into no man's land. The midfielder has to fill that space. And, you know, Suchek didn't. And then Mavropanos let Malpe get across him too easily and didn't close. But it's, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell Ariola is doing. But yeah, it was just like a really like suspiciously easy goal to concede. Like, and, and truly nobody stood in his way. But yeah, it's, it's infuriating. Because it's like we have to cut that shit out. We've conceded 46 goals now in 26 games. I, I honestly, I think that if we can concede like 15 or 16 or less goals in our last 12 in the Premier League, we will be all right. We will be mm-hmm. just fine. We'll finish in the top eight, top seven. We'll be fine. Because we, we can score goals. But the thing is, if, if we're shipping... 65 plus goals over the course of a season you're not going to finish in a european place like that that's ridiculous that is ridiculous yeah well paquette is back we 
We don't got to worry about anything ever again. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, uh, it would be a dream if a Garrett could find form because, like, with Zuma, like I would stick with Zuma for the Everton game. I think Zuma is just your safest bet right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like he's not as much of a maniac. And you know what? Maybe a few weeks out of the team will do a Garrett some good. We we talked about this in the fall. Maybe it'll do him some good. Mm-hmm. Just like put his head down and like earn his place back because he's gonna have to play on Thursdays or on yep. Sundays. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and maybe a change in partner will be good for him. Maybe playing next to Mavropanos will help him. It could. I mean, like they they in theory they could complement each other well, but. Also, like, they both love to rush out and try to win the ball back. But they also, you know, technically have good recovery pace to help each other out. I don't know. Uh, we've seen it a few times. It's It's gone okay a few times. You know, mm-hmm. like, he uh, they played well together um, against Arsenal, I think it was, in the Cup. They played well together in Europe. Then, you know, there's been days, like, I think Brentford away, they started together, did they not? Yeah, that was Mavropanos' worst game, yeah, though. We conceded three. I thought his worst game was um, Liverpool in the Cup. Well, Mavropanos had the own goal against Brentford, yeah. right? But do, do you remember in the Cup at Anfield? How bad oh, yeah, he was terrible. Was the 5-0. Yeah, and he came back in the United game. He fucking showed out. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good player. I think... Um, I think he's really growing into it now. And I think oh, that, absolutely. You know, he, he kind of shows the kind of value that Stuyten can bring because he's not only, you know, been good. And, you know, he, he is a Moyes defender in some aspects. Uh, but he also is an analytic, like, he's an analytic crazy guy. Like, he's huge. Like, all the intangibles, he's huge. He's athletic. He can run. He can play with the ball a little bit. And I think that him now finally settling in and like you know showing some good form, he was awesome against Bournemouth. I think that that shows like the kind of value that Stuyton can bring and can find, because if Mavropanos, you know, if he takes his level of performance against Brentford and against Bournemouth, and he can like bottle that up, and against United um, and Arsenal before and after Christmas, not the six 0 Well, he didn't even play in that game. Well, he played in the second half. Anyways, if he can bottle up that kind of form and he can put it together consistently, people are going to start getting silly with their takes about him, which, fair enough. Mm-hmm. And then that turns a 20 million pound signing into, you know, whatever the hell you want to value him at. I don't want to put a number on it, but. I mean, we paid double that. for Aguirre, you know? That guy sucks. And he's half the player that Mavropanos is. Yeah. Mavropanos does really make me a little uncomfortable, though. He really looks like a Greek god. Like, you know what I mean, dude? He's, dude his head is massive. Cuts a, nice, cuts a nice figure. Yeah, but his head is huge, dude. And his <laughs> shoulders, like, he really, like... Is that how all Greek people look? I feel like Greek, Greek people generally have large heads. That's crazy. Generally speaking. <laughs> generally speaking. Yeah, but he um he really does look like a Greek god out there. Good, good for him. Good for us. Mm-hmm. Good for everybody involved. Good for me. Now it's it's time to get 
to the elephant in the room. Not actually the elephant in the room. But we have not talked about Jared Bowen yet. Dude. I mean, well, well, well deserved, right? I, I think I texted you during the game and said, because I, I don't remember if we talked about this in the fall or not, but the clip he was scoring goals at, it was just like, well, people who score goals this often, you know, they score a hat trick eventually. Like one day they score mm. a hat trick. And if it's ever going to happen for him, it's going to be, you know, this season with this team playing striker. And then, you know, gets hurt. And it's Bristol, he's playing like kind of terrible for a little while. He's not impacting yeah. the game. He, um, he had a chance recently in a game. He had like a one-on-one. That was awesome. Oh, against Ma- against Manchester United. He oh, had like yeah, a one-on-one, United. dude. And it yep. was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just, like came across. Yeah, and it, things were just not really going his way. And then he gets the hat trick. And three three great goals. I mean, mm-hmm. two real strikers goals. And the first one is an obscene finish that I, I, I don't think has gotten enough love, to be honest. This guy is yawning for anybody interested. It's 12.30 in the morning. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, absolutely has not gotten enough recognition. Um, yeah, that, that, that finish is just unreal. I think I think, I think think people were just excited with it, you know, being a Paqueta assist. And no, it was Emerson. Was, it was Emerson. So the second one was Paqueta? Paqueta, the, the second one was uh, everybody's favorite right back. Oh right, 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 right. I don't know why I thought it was. I think Amber, I guess Emerson was just looking like Paquette out there for a little bit. The, the commentators always do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Emerson, it's like, come on, man. I guess I I fell victim to it. You oh, fell well. victim. Yeah, that that finish. I mean, first of all, the way he takes it into his feet and how quickly he's able to get it out of his feet mm-hmm. is a, and then did to hit it as hard as he did. And have it go in off the near post like that is it's it's a thing of beauty, and you know thank God for us for him because you know we got another international break coming up in three weeks. So I feel like honestly scoring that hat trick kind of earns him his call up again. Not because I mean he... you know if because if he goes another few weeks out scoring a goal, who knows? Not Starts that he in his head again. Not that he at this point deserve, like needs to be, like you know, earning his call up in the middle, in between every international break. You know, I feel I feel like he has enough credit in the bank, or at least should, considering his his uh, output this season. Yeah, his output is a joke, and you know, it, it's something that I think England will need come Euros, and I think you know, just just generally, they could use a player like that because he he gives them something different to what their other wide players give them. Like, he's more of a, like we were talking about earlier, he likes to be higher up the pitch, whereas a lot of the guys in England have, like Saka and Grealish and Foden, want to come collect it and play with the ball and create. Which, you know, not to say he should start over any of them right now. And, you know, he could also, he could play off Kane, play off Tony, if maybe, like, you know, he's a very nice piece for them to have. And if we're being serious, that that's that's a team that should win silverware this summer. 
I mean, it's it's been like that for years, but no. But th- th- this is this is the tournament, and in mm-hmm. my personal opinion, like I, I think Euro twenty twenty was like their big chance, obviously, and they should have won that final. Like their better side in Italy, they choked through that game away, whatever. Um, and don't no reason for Rice to come off in that game, but. Like coming into that tournament, France were the favorites, and you know you could argue that France are the favorites for Euro 2024. 2024. But I think that like England stand toe to toe with them now, with the squad that they have, and I, I think that they should be considered the favorites. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like. In 2020, like they were really good, obviously, but yeah. they were still like a little young, and I feel like and that France. squad has, yeah, and Ed France is like, just you know, they're not. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just thinking, but uh, yeah, like in 2024 now, like those guys have all like gotten better. Like they're honestly like if you compare this this year, the the team that they're going to be taking it's with the. Euros this summer to the team that played against uh, Italy in the final, like they're like even just just Rice in and of himself is a much better player than he was three years ago. Rice hadn't played a European game yet. Exactly, like that, that was his that was his first that was his first tournament. That was his first tournament. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now you know now. Since then, Declan Rice has gone to a Europa League semifinal. He's won a European trophy. He's finished. They used to, they finished we finished sixth that year. They finished seventh in the Premier League, won a trophy, moved to Arsenal. He's played in Champions League. And, I mean, he's gotten better at basically every aspect of his game. And, 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 and a title was, race. And he was world-class then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he's a perfect example. I mean, Saka is such a more mature <clears> player. And it's crazy thinking that Bowen should and is going to be a part of the squad. And, you know, the way he's playing, like, he's not out of place there. Like, yeah. Like, he's not going to start, you know, a knockout game. But, like, look, man, you need a goal. You need a goal. And, like, one of those right wingers isn't giving you exactly what you like. It's, like, the 100th minute, it's the 85th minute. Like, look. This is the guy you want to have. This is somebody – look, we have 12 Premier League games left. He could score six more goals. He could score twenty goals in a Premier League season. You know how insane that is. In, in terms of, like, just like us. Yeah, in terms of yeah. West Ham players. Yeah, like our our, like, you know, record for Premier League career is like fuck sixty. Like he he got a third of the way there in one season. So that that's what's even crazier. So I was looking at the chart. If when he he scores six or seven more goals, I think he has forty one Premier League goals now. Jared Bowen, mm-hmm. Noble is second on the list with forty seven or forty eight. Or no no no, Decanio is second on the list with forty seven or forty eight. I think Noble's got like forty something. Um, but basically, Joe Jared Bowen, if he gets hot again. Scores a brace here, another brace there, a few goals here or there. He could be our second all-time top scorer at the end of the season. He will. It would be a shock to me if he is not our second all-time Premier League scorer and hasn't scored fifty Premier League goals 
by January 1st, 2025. Do you know how crazy that is? It's kind of it's 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 so crazy to think about that he's he's going to be shattering all these records soon. Yeah, and like it, if it, it's coming, man. He's just developed so fast. Mm-hmm. And, he, and you think about Antonio, you know, and as good as he's been, West Ham legend, all that good stuff. He's got sixty-one Premier League goals, and the way he did it is not like well, he's been here since twenty fifteen. Jared Bowen signed in January 2020. Like, this is a guy, and he only scored one goal that first year. Then he scored eight in the Premier League, 12. I think he had six or seven, six in the Premier League last year, which mm-hmm. sucked, to be honest. And now 14. I mean, what he is doing, we've never seen somebody score goals at a clip like this for West Ham. Um, I mean, Decanio, but it's 20 years ago now. If, typically speaking, if guys score at the clip that Bowen is scoring at right now, they're not going to be a West Ham player for much longer. And he's all but essentially said he's going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think it it would take it would take a lot to lure him away, especially within the time it's going to take him to break this record. You know, because he's got so long. He's under contract until 2030. So, yep. you know, you don't even think about his contract running down until, like, January 2028. It doesn't even cross your mind. And then if a team wanted to sign him, between getting – us to accept the bid and getting us to feel like, uh, like maybe he doesn't want to be here. Maybe we should just, you know, deal with this. The amount of money that that would take and convincing for Bowen, it's just because it's not like Paquette where if a city comes in, the head's going to turn or with rice, he's running down his deal. Like, And to be fair, Bowen is not a player like Rice or Paquette. Bowen's play style, you could argue, might not fit that well, a top six club. I think he would succeed um, at a Liverpool, but just mm-hmm. theoretically, obviously Arsenal aren't going to want him. But an Arsenal or a City aren't going to want him either. But an Arsenal or a City, like he's not going to play there. Not going to do what they want them to do. Now at United, they play with enough chaos. Yeah, I, I think they're hundred million pound right wing. I think there's certainly places for him out there, and. It's not every place, but in terms of like big six clubs, like he would be fine. Um, but yeah, he's he's made such a clear manifestation that that he wants to stay here and he wants to build something here. Um, and it's just so rare to see, like it's just in the in the in the modern game in general. In the modern you know? game, yeah. And and- he really like they did a great job, not only like you know, developing him, but like, you know, instilling that, like that mindset into him. Yeah. And yes. I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and say something a little crazy. Say it. A little crazy. And maybe it's short-sighted, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen the play for West Ham or anything like that. 
Maybe we saw Pyatt if he was only here for a year. I think that Jared Bowen is well on his way and on the path to becoming the greatest West Ham United player of the Premier League era. Better than Rice? Yeah. Because, look, greatest and best are two different words, right? Like We, we mm-hmm. start there. Those are two different words. There's being just the best, and then there's legacy. You want to talk about best, then you talk about Pyatt, and then you talk about Deck, and, you know, Piccani, and Piquetta, and Piquetta, Piquetta, Lucas Piquetta. But you talk about greatness, and you talk about legacy. Jared Bowen signed for this club as the second signing under Moyes in his second stint. We were in 17th or 16th, just above the relegation zone. Signed on deadline day. He took a took a, a public transportation train down to the Olympic Stadium to sign the contract. Nobody knew where the hell he was for like three mm-hmm. hours. Right? But he he comes in and it's basically the the, the jewel in the crown of that January transfer window for Moyes. Because you know, Suchek, hugely important player, again, one of the best signings we've probably ever made in the Premier League era. But Bowen, Bowen, you know, he's English. He's a winger, championship top goal scorer. Everybody's super excited for him. And he he's the one who, like, comes in and you think of David Moyes and then you think of Jared Bowen. Like, Jared Bowen is the David Moyes era at West Ham, which, if we're all being honest with ourselves, is the best era that we've ever seen at this club in the Premier League era. In the Premier League era, I should say. Um, Indisputably. Yeah, I mean, the, the trophy is what really just takes it beyond anything else, the heights that we reached in the early 2000s and late 90s. And, um, and that's what that's that's part of what I was going to say, um, challenging that, like Bowen being the, the greatest um, you know, West Ham player of the Premier League era. Um, it's kind of difficult to argue with Rice being like an academy guy, like coming through the ranks and then – captaining our side to its first ever okay. European championship. Let's see, but that's what I was beating around the bush too, is who, who scored the goal? Who had the Who scored the goal? Who, sco- who scored know, the goal? I know who scored the goal. And who was but... the worst player on the pitch for West Ham that night, in your estimation? In my estimation? my in estimation, estimation. Is, <laughs> My estimation is different than other people's estimation <laughs> on you right now. Yeah, Deck was horrendous that day. <laughs> he, yeah, he won. He won a few challenges toward the end, towards the end, and then he had he had a few moments. But man, he was. We were all nervous that day. They just Fiorentina did like a good job of like not engaging him, like just like keeping the yeah. ball like in the air, or you know, just keeping it away from him as far as possible. Yeah, he they just didn't allow him to impact the game the way he would have wanted to. But yeah, that's what I'm getting at, right? So now Jared Bones scores, and you also have to remember. What creates legacies more than anything? Moments. And what's the biggest moment that you could have in a football match? A goal. Scoring the winning goal. Of no, 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 no. Just a, no, 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 no. Just any goal. Is in any singular football game, the biggest moment you can have is a goal. Mm-hmm. Jerbone's going to be, unless something horribly tragic happens. Is going to be our all-time Premier League top goal scorer. 
is going to be our all-time European top goal scorer. He's going to have scored a goal in a final to win us our first trophy in 45 years. Like, he's going to be here for 10 plus years. He's, he's going to be the captain one day. I think his interview after the game tells you that he's going to be the captain one day. Um, I'm going to do quick research right now and see the most goals a West Ham player has scored in a Premier League season. Because let's look at that now. Because this year, he has a chance to probably break that. Let's see. Okay. (laughs) So if we checked in like three weeks, I could almost say he already broke it. Um, Let me just make sure I'm looking at this. Okay. So the most goals a West Ham United player has ever scored in a Premier League season is 16 goals by Paolo Di Canio in the 1999-2000 season. 16. That's, that's nothing. Jaron Bo- Bowen is actually on this list. He's third. Is that this season? Yeah. <laughs> so 16 Di Canio, 2000. 15 John Hartson, 98. 14 Jared Bowen, 2024. 14 Marlon Harewood. 2006, 13, uh, Trevor Morley, 94, 13, Tony Cotti, 95, and then 12, Jared Bowen, 21, <laughs> Well, we better make sure that we're first to this tweet when it's ready to go I, I, Trust me, I know. A, l- a lot of 10s in here, a lot of 10s. Thomas Suchek, Kalen Antonio, Marco Arnautovic, Diafrasacco. Carlton Cole, Kevin Nolan, Jermaine Defoe, Dean Ashton. What a list! And then there's Jesse Lingard and Felipe Anderson. I mean, now I'm just far down the list. I was but, just gonna, I was just about to say Jesse Lingard in his half season better be coming up. Yeah, but uh, this is what I mean. Like, and it's not to say that Rice isn't one of them. It's not to say that Rice isn't number two when it's all said and done, and when you know we move further away from this Arsenal thing. But I think I don't like I was I preface it as saying something crazy, but I think that we really are watching a guy forge his way as, you know, the West Ham player ever. Because obviously, you know, Mark Noble will always be Mr. West Ham. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Declan Rice is always going to be Declan Rice. He is one of three people that ever captain us to a trophy. Hopefully he's one of four one day soon. But Jared Bowen, with all the accolades and all the goals and all the things that are going to be next to his name, and he's going to captain us one day, and you know he's going to be here for the rest of the decade. He's going to spend the full decade here, at minimum. That that goal scoring record that he eventually attains, it might not even be reachable. That's what I'm saying. Because look. Let's say so he's gone 14 Premier League goals now. We have 12 games to go. Let's say he scores four more, right? Go conservative. He scores four more. Finishes the season with 18 Premier League goals. He will be on 45 goals all time in the Premier League. He'll be two goals away from second on the all time list. The record's 61 with Antonio. Let's say Antonio scores one more. Right, mm-hmm. he, he, gives, he gives us one. Just to be safe, gives us one last memory. He's on sixty-two. 
He's 17 goals away. He can break that within a two-year period. So he can hold, be the record holder by the end of 2026. And then it's just about how many he can score after that. And he'll be what? In 2026, he'll be 29? I was going to say 29 or 30. He's got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll score 100 Premier League goals for West Ham. Dude, that, that's the dream. But that's, that is a long way away. Yeah. Before we go, Everton on Saturday. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling damn good because we're yeah. back. We are back, and we have. There's nothing else to say about it. I just can't stop thinking that they they haven't won in nine games. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel scared, bro. Going to Goodison now. They need a result. They just got their their points deduction lowered. Um, we just tweeted out that we've never lost with Emerson Piquetta and Kudus playing. <laughs> it's all it's all coming together for a one 0 loss to Sean Deitch. Listen, I I don't I don't I don't play with all this 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 black magic this this all like oh it's Deitch oh they haven't won in nine games like no we're just nice like we're this is a game we're we should win and we're most likely gonna win it for that very reason. If we, if we win this game, we put ourselves in a really good position because then we have Burnley at home, in between the the European games. And if we can, you know, if we can handle business against Freiburg, and we can beat Burnley, that'll be nine points from nine, and then you advance going into a game against Aston Villa before the international break at home. And who knows? I've had that that game marked on my calendar since October twenty second. I know. I know. I know. Haven't we all? Mm-hmm. Haven't we all? Anyways, thank you everybody for listening with us tonight. Um, hopefully we have another one to talk about after the Everton game. Hopefully we have some more Jared Bowen goals to talk about. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can get a little bit crazier with those takes. Let, let us know what you think. Do you think Jared Bowen is on his way to becoming the greatest player that this club has ever had? I know, I know it's a heavy statement, but when you think about the different things he's done to build this legacy. He's damn, damn sure got a shot. When you think about how long this team has sucked, it makes it a lot easier to think Be about. Be nice. <laughs> no, we, we I mean, you know, he's competing with really one other era of guys, if you think about it. Yeah. This era and then the, the Canio era. Um, but yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at hammering underscore away on Instagram at hammering away underscore. Um, the TikTok is hammering dot away. And then the blog is always is hammering dash away dot blog. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. Peace. Peace.